Right. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. It's good to, it's good to see all of your faces. Um, so I just quickly want to give a disclaimer. I know the, the generator's on. I'm not sure what's going to happen when the power comes back on. We might have to just take a quick pause during the sermon and um, ask Jesus to keep the anointing in place. And then, we'll, and then we might carry on just so we can get the projector fired up and, and get going. Um, so those of you who don't know me, I'm Leonard. I'm one of the elders here. And it's a privilege to be able to preach again. It's, a, it's been a while and it's so good to see all the faces coming back. I do think we're going to go to two services quite soon, which is, uh, which is great. And I'm really expecting for what God is going to do this year. Um, if I had a title slide up there, it would have said something like faith and faithfulness. So that's what I want to speak about tonight. The difference between having faith and only being faithful. And we do need to be faithful. It's a good thing. In the kingdom of God, we do need to, to be faithful, even though we don't always feel like being faithful. But what I believe God actually wants us to do is fight for faith and not only faithfulness. And it's something that came from our elders camp that we had now. Listen, it was, it was incredible. Um, it's, I wish some of you could just come and, and experience that camp. I think we were these 200 elders from across Josh Jane with their wives, so we were about 400 and 450 people in all in Wellington, in the heat, worshiping God passionately, people seeking God. I think some of our worship sessions went for two, three hours, just seeking God um, as an eldership team together, and it's such a privilege. And one of the things that came out in the camp is this theme of, of asking the elders in the church, but are you just doing this out of faithfulness, and have you lost your faith? And I actually felt to carry that into us as a church, into us as a congregation. I had started prepping another message, but I knew that was going to be a waste of time because God would do something on the camp and I would have to scratch it and start all over again. And so that's what I want to share with us tonight. So you want to make notes? Faith and faithfulness is what I'm speaking about. So Lord, we, we declare that you are an amazing God. We declare that you are a real God. You are not just a story that we read about. You're not just someone that we, that we see in our friendships and see, see um, around with, with other people around us, but you are a personal God that wants to come into each of our lives, Lord, and you want to come and set us on fire for you, God. You don't want us to live ordinary lives, Lord. You don't want us to live lives of the mundane, Lord. You don't want us to live lives just pretending that you exist, but not living as if you really exist. You want us to live in the closeness of knowing your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray just as I share, Lord, with my frail, brittle words, God, I do pray that you would impart faith into all of us, that you would make us hungry to not be a people who do, just do church and do Christianity because it seems like the good thing to do, but that you would stir anger in us to do it in faith, to do it because we love you, because we are passionate about you, because we remember our salvation, and because we experience your closeness. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. I quickly want to share with you, and I've shared this in various contexts, um, but just in worship now, again, I, I was reminded of, of when I got saved. It was 2007. I was 17 years old. For some of you, yes, I am that old. For some of you, yes, I am that young. However old you are, that, that would sort of answer the question. Um, I was 17 years old. I went on this camp, and I, I, I was a bit of a, I wasn't a bit, I was a, I was a scully before that. I came from Boxburg, and that answers all your questions of how, how I was. Um, just to, I was just actually, you know what, sometimes you, we should marvel on the goodness of God and not on our past. It, it doesn't help us to, to think about our past too much, but I was actually standing in worship and thinking 
about what a fraught person I was before I got saved. Thought about how every weekend it was 52 Rand 50, if I'm not mistaken, for a bottle of Richelieu. We'd buy, buy a bottle of Richelieu, Friday evening drink off, Saturday evening drink the other half. Every Friday and every Saturday evening, I would sit in a corner crying about a girl. Every Saturday evening, every Friday evening. <laughs> I used foul, vulgar language. I didn't care what people thought. I didn't care about school. Um, I, I was actually, I was, I was in a mess. I don't know where I was going. I lived for the party. I lived for, for, for um, hedonism, for, for the joys of this life. That was what enticed me. And I was not looking for God I was not trying to find him. I wasn't on, you know, some people are on these spiritual journeys where they try all the different religions or they're a lawyer and they, and they start investigating the faith and then they come to the faith. I was not that. I was not seeking. I was doing everything but seeking God. Do you know the mercy of God? The mercy of God. In 2007, my mom and I got into a big fight and she got into the car and I heard her for the first time saying to my aunt on the phone that she wants to commit suicide. She doesn't want to live anymore. And I was not seeking God at this point. But I remember saying, starting to cry and saying, well, I'm not getting in the car. Are you, you're not taking me to school. What's happening? And, and, and my whole life felt like it was crumbling to pieces. And I realized that my brokenness, my insecurities, my way of living, my rebellion, it was flat out rebellion in the face of God, in the face of my family, my rebellion was leading my mom down a bad path as well. I started crying. I didn't go to school that day. The kindness of God came into my brokenness. It came into my mess. And my family stepped in at that stage, put me in a new school. I moved in with my uncle and my aunt just to help my mom get back on her feet. And as that happened, the first week I moved to a new town, got out of my friendship group. I, I was out of the town where all the bad people were that led me into these bad things. I went to this new town, and the first week, they invited me with to their church, and this church had a camp that weekend, that next weekend. I was in, in this new town for about a week and a half, went on a camp, and on that camp, I experienced the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God. For the first time, I was not looking for him. I don't even know why I went on this camp. It just happened to happen. You know, God is so good that he comes into our mess and he says, I don't care about your mess. I want you. I died on a cross for you. I died for the world, but I died for you so that I can know you. And he came into my life. You know, I'm probably not a Calvinist theologically, but if I look at my testimony, I'm a Calvinist, meaning it almost feels like I had no choice. It feels like God just came and he said, I want you. And I said, well, okay. <laughs> Because if you see the goodness of God, it does something in your heart that you cannot deny. You cannot live any other way. You are like, I am bound to this. I'm bound to this. I want to be bound to it, but I'm bound to it. You know the feeling? of like, it's nice, but also like I don't have another choice. <laughs> Felt like that. Hallelujah. There's light. <laughs> um, just, Valdu, what are we doing? Okay. But I remember that next day, waking up, my friends had gone home, and I just had massive headaches, still confused, body still a little bit sore, but like, faithfulness was not a thing. I did not think I have to go to church the next morning. I wanted to be at church. I wanted to be with the people of God. I was full of faith. I wanted to see him move, and I wanted to please his heart. I wanted to go worship him. It was not out of duty. 
It was out of the light. And I went to church that morning, and I remember we usually went to church in the evenings as well. All the younger people were there. I was the only young person amongst all of those uh, older people. Oral gespeel, they played the oral. Um, <laughs> the organ. <laughs> they played the organ in church that morning, and I remember like I did not care about the band. I did not care about the preach. I did not care how boring it was or whether there were no young people. I just not care. There was just such a, a raw passion and devotion in my heart that I remember putting up my hands. I was the only person in that church that put up my hands, and I started weeping before God. Just out of like, God, I've got faith. I love you. I want to serve you. And I really do believe that God has that type of love for us, for all of us. And here's the knocker. That unfortunately, in many of our lives, what happens is we start that way, but among, along the journey, we tend to lose it, try and grab it back, lose it, try and grab it back, and we start doing church and we start doing Christianity out of faithfulness. It's the right thing to do. Remember a couple of times when, um, and I mean, even now, I'm like, yes, God, I need, even this weekend that we went away, I'm like, God, I, yes, I need to get my heart on fire again. Like, yes, I love God. Yes, there is, there is faith and faithfulness in me. But man, God, I, I want to trust like I used to trust. Not that I'm always looking at the past. You know, life moves on. You mature. Things happen. I'm not saying that, but, but I'm hungry for more in my heart. Does that make sense? Like, I'm hungry to have more faith in my heart. I, I, I want to, like, trust God like Matt preached last week. I want to have faith that God can do things. But I remember... Um, Growing up in my faith, we saw God doing the most incredible things, praying for people, and people would get, um, would have these experiences with God. I'd have these experiences with God that, that I've told some and some I haven't told, but just like these intense encounters with God that I was not looking for. I came out of the Dutch Reformed Church and came to, if you think Josh is charismatic, I went to like the charismatic church. It was difficult, but, but God started, started meeting, God started growing, this passion in me kept growing. And then I remember, as a Christian, going through a few times in my life that that passion actually started waning a little bit. Um, the, first time, the first time in my Christian walk was probably about six, five, six years after I got saved. And it, it'll happen for different people at different times. I think I was lucky that I was in an environment where that stirred me the whole time. But it was actually when I came on to, to full-time eldership, believe it or not, that my passion started waning. You always think, when I'm a leader in church, then I'm going to serve God fully. No, no, no. Now, now, it starts now. And I came into this, um, this congregation, and at that stage, that congregation was really not in a good space. The elders, there was fighting and bickering. There was disunity between the elders, um, the church. There was sin within the, I, I believe, the lead elder. I, I'm quite sure there was sin involved there. There was just a bunch of things happening there. And this young, frothing guy coming into the ministry, I'm excited, and I walk into this church, and I'm like, is this what it's about? Is this what eldership is? Is this what I'm laying my life um, down for? And I remember this sense of um, uh, your disillusionment coming, coming over me, feeling deflated. And, and you know what? Actually feeling in my faith even towards God, taking a knock. And I would fight for that thing the whole time, and I would just find my feet and fight. But I found it even more difficult. And then I remember, again, you, it's all of these good things sometimes that take our devotion away from God. I found a good thing. The Bible says, you who finds a wife finds a good thing. 
found my wife, but unfortunately she lived all the way in Swellendam and I lived in Bloberg Strand. So it was almost a three hour drive. And every Friday I would drive, had no money. I've told the story on my way back Sunday mornings to be back for Sunday morning church. I would take the alternative route that the toys lift past and I would free down because I don't have money for the toll gate. And I would just basically eat bread and two minute noodles for the remainder of the month. And then I would get my salary, and then that would be the story every month. But I remember spending so much time with Carla that even with that, at times, my devotion was more on Carla, which is sin. It's sin, more on Carla than it was on God. And I had to fight, and I had to say, God, but I want the faith back, not just the faithfulness. Listen, I was faithful. Five o'clock every Sunday morning, I would get in my car to be at church at eight. I would drive. I was faithful. It wasn't faithfulness. No one, no one from the outside would have said, Juch Leonard. No, everything on the outside looked fine, but my heart. And I needed to fight for it. And then again, when we had children, and for a year I didn't sleep. That's why I look like I look. <laughs> we had twin girls. And by the way, those of you who weren't here last week, we're expecting a third. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, God works in mysterious ways because that was not, it was not the plan, but it's God's plan. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, anyway, the, the, the challenges are still ahead, still. But I remember feeling so dead tired in the mornings when I woke up. I remember one specifically wanting to pour um, hot water, boiling water into the bialetti. And instead of doing that, I poured it over the kettle's thing, just like stood there and the boiling water was everywhere. I was just, you're like, your soul is tired. <laughs> Everything is tired, and I struggle to spend time with God, and my faith waned again, and I, and I realized I'm in a dangerous spot, and I, I would fight. And you know what, children, you've got like BC, before Christ and after Christ. You know, people speak about my BC days. Like, you've got BC days with before children as well. It's like your second BC days. <laughs> because your life changes completely. Now it's nice going to church. Oh, I think I'll go to church tonight. Get in the car, go to church when you have children, man. Let me tell you, it does not work like that. Oh, we're going to go to church. Start 45 minutes before, start racing them, start pulling the one that's shouting because they want to take their bicycle, and then you need to feed them. And it's not as easy having children. And I felt like my devotion, my faith started waning again. And I know that I have to keep fighting for it, but I know that I know that I know that God does not only want faithfulness. And so I will keep fighting. And I just wonder where we are. Are we still fighting? Are we still fighting to have that raw passion, that raw devotion in our hearts, or have we, have we settled? Because I'm doing okay in God. I'm spending time with Him mostly. I read my Bible, I pray, I come to church, I go to community. You know, all of those things are not what God wants for primarily. He wants those things, yes. He doesn't want it to disappear, but it needs to spring out of faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, sorry, let me just quickly say this, because I'm going to refer back to this. I remember once in a worship session just having an amazing time with God. Listen, if you've never experienced the presence of God, we need to pray for you. Like if you've always just worshipped God because that's how you grew up and you even love God, but you've never had a tangible experience of the presence of God, I'm not into, um, into wishy-washy, feely Christianity. I'm not into that, but, but there's an experiential Christianity with God actually. And we need to actually, after the service, we need to pray for you if you haven't experienced them. We need to pray for you. You have to. Not like I think I experienced him. If, you th- if you're not sure, then you haven't. <laughs> then you haven't. But I remember having one of these deep encounters with the Lord. And I remember feeling his presence to such an extent that I knew this was somewhere, uh, somewhere in my 20s. I remember 
feeling like saying to God, God, please stop, don't come closer. I, I really felt like if God was, would take one step closer to me, I'm, I would die. Like I could, I could not take any more of his glory. That's what it felt like. He was just so close to me in that moment. And I remember feeling that and knowing that I don't always feel like this. And having this conversation with God saying, God, I want to marry you. Not, don't laugh. I, I mean it. <laughs> hear, hear me out. Like, God, I don't just want to date you. I want to marry you. Like, I want to make a covenant with you. I want to make a commitment with you that even when the feelings go away, Lord, with a marriage, I know what it works like with a marriage. This ring is a promise forever until death does us, do us part uh, in, in sickness and in health. It's that type of relationship that I want with you, even though I don't feel this. If I never feel this again, God, I want to be faithful to you. Remember that. But you know, even in a marriage, it is like that. You are so in love in the beginning. Oh, my hat. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. Some of you are extremely irritating because you're in love. Extremely. Let me tell you that now. <laughs> extremely. But in a marriage, you can't, you can't only stick with faithfulness. You need that love. Anyway, so I remember having that conversation with God. So let me read to you what faith actually uh, well, I'm not going to read faith's definition, but in Hebrews 11 verse 6, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hear that? God's not pleased by us just always going through the motions. Listen, I'm not saying you're always going to have faith. I'm not saying you're always going to feel it. No, you must do it even when you don't feel like it. But God says you need to fight for faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Forever would draw near to God, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. We need to be a seeking people. Be a people who say, God, I'm coming. I, I want to draw close to you. I want to seek you until I find you, not only in church, but in my secret place. I want to put an hour aside. I want to put on worship music and I want to say, God, I'm seeking you until I find you. I need to find you. We need to be those type of people that keep our hearts soft and tender before the Lord. But unfortunately, many times we do fall away from this. And I'm, this is an interesting take that I want to have with this message. It's not going to be the longest message. But, you know, one of the people that I thought of immediately when preparing this message that was incredibly faithful, but that did not have faith, that I think we can learn from, is a man in the Bible called Judas. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus walked with Jesus. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> Judas walked with Jesus. He talked with him. I'm going to go through a couple of scriptures. He worshipped with Jesus and the disciples. He was there for all of the teachings. He was one of the most faithful Christians of his day, but he did not have faith. And God was not pleased. Let me take you through a couple of, a couple of points about Judas. Judas, with the other disciples, was called by God, and he left everything. That's the type of guy that he was. He was faithful. God said, come, follow me, be my disciple. He left everything, and he said, yes, I will follow you. I'll be your disciple. Meaning that if you are here, and you're a Christian, and at some point in your life, you said, God, I'll leave everything, and I'll follow you. I remember leaving my music and following him, because that was a big thing in my life. And it was something that pulled me away from him, the type of music that I listened to. I remember being obsessed with girls and re recognizing that that's an issue. Saying, God, I will leave those things behind and I will seek you. 
I remember leaving some of my old friends behind because I knew that they would try and pull me back into the world and following him. But even if you made that commitment, it's possible for you to fall back to such a place like Judas that you are called by God, but somewhere along the line, you miss God and you forget about him. In fact, he was not only called, but he was a leader. He was one of the 12. Imagine that, an apostle. Peter, James, John, you know those guys? Judas was there with them. It's scary. You, let me tell you this. You can be a leader in the church, and you can miss God along the way. You can be an elder in the church, and you can miss God and forget about God along the way. To speak specifically to our community leaders, our deacons, our elders, all of us. We need, to, we, we need to take this to heart and say, just because you have prominence in the house of God does not mean that you don't need to keep seeking him and keep fighting for this. All of us need to keep fighting for this. I've got about um, six points of him. The second one is Judas was given spiritual authority, meaning, uh, let's read Luke 9, verse 1 and 2. Can we put it up or not? Yes. And Jesus called the 12 together. Judas was one of the 12. Those of you who don't know, sorry, Judas is the guy who betrayed Jesus, okay? He's like the baddie amongst the 12. Just if you, if you I'm, I don't want to assume that everyone knows that's who this guy was, but he was one of the disciples of Jesus. He called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority, meaning he gave Judas power and authority. I think Judas, I think Judas was a legit believer. I think he was a Christian. If, if they weren't called Christians then, but for all intents and purposes, I think he was. Over all demons and to cure diseases. Next verse. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Judas probably, inferring it from this scripture, Judas prayed for the sick and they were healed. You can walk in the things of God. You can look like someone that walks in the power of God, even praying to, for people. But somewhere along the line, you can miss it because, you know, God wants to heal people. Yes, he does work with our faith, but, but he wants to do something in, in, some, in other people's lives and he will even bypass you. The Bible says the gifts of God are irrevocable. He's not going to always take his gifts away from you. There are these stories of, the, of people of God. Um, what's the guy who was drunk while preaching so much? Can't remember his name. Um, there's, this, there's a well-known evangelist years ago that was, they used to take the bottle of, of brandy or whiskey that he would drink out of his hand and pull him onto the stage. Hey? Bra- William Branham. Thank you, Mac. <laughs> like a voice out of the wilderness. So. <laughs> um, but they used, to, they used to pray. I really think if, yeah, anyway. It's, it's, it's important to realize this. Just because it looks like the blessing of God is on your life, you need to, we need to always go back to the place of saying, God, but, but am I still in love with you? Do I still have faith? Or am I just doing it because I can? The third thing that I've got here is Judas heard Jesus' sermons and warnings, even to the prodigal, even to the Pharisees. He sat into all Jesus' sermons. Imagine that, being taught by Jesus. Now, you are only being taught by me and a couple of others. But just because you come to church and you hear the sermons does not mean it takes root in your heart and you do something about it. Coming to church does not equate to spiritual growth if you don't mix your coming to church with faith. It really is that. You, you can come out of faithfulness because it's the right thing to do because I've, I've been taught or I, I want to. I made a decision somewhere that I'm going to go to church every Sunday. 
And you can even come here, and because you don't have faith, you can miss what God wants to do in your life. He sat under the teachings of God. He even sat under the teachings of Jesus, where Jesus spoke about the prodigal son, and he must have known that it's, it's possible for him to repent. Because as we know with Judas, he, he was the one in charge of the money. He actually, I'm, I'm going to um, speak about that in a moment, but he was in charge of the money. And the Bible says that he kept stealing money out of, out of the purse of the disciples. And so there was sin. There was this thing brewing in his heart all the time. There was this secret sin that he never dealt with. And he even sat under the teachings of Jesus calling him, saying, come, I want you to repent. I really, I think, I know it was, this is a difficult one theologically because he was chosen to betray Jesus. It was God that chose for Jesus to be betrayed and used Judas. But I really believe that actually Jesus was throwing out the net to Judas. He heard the sermons. You know, I just want to, I want to challenge you to this afternoon, tonight. When we speak, when we speak in church, when the voice of God comes through other people in your life, you have to make a choice. You have to say, yes, I will respond to it. You can't just think I'm being faithful, I sit here. You can miss out on God. You know, there were many people that walked with Jesus for many years. They heard everything that he said. But when he was crucified, he only had 120 left. We should make sure that we are like those 120, not like the 5,000 that just followed him for what he could give. But that we are those that, that continue seeking him. Judas saw miracles as the fourth thing. He even, he was part of the miracles. Remember when um, Enray spoke about the, the bread and the, um, the fish and the loaves that were, that were distributed? You know, the disciples distributed it. They saw the boy coming with his loaves. They saw the boy coming with his fish. They were the ones to take the baskets that had just multiplied before their eyes, and they went to distribute it to the people. That is a real-life miracle. Even if you see the move of God around you, it's still possible to lose him along the way. He was in charge of the finances, meaning he had responsibility in the church, and that comes back to leadership again for me. You can have responsibility here. You can be like Corneo's at the back and he's the bouncer. He makes sure that if anyone comes in that looks dodgy, he's like going to ninja chop that guy. <laughs> you can be the one in charge of the finances or, or you, we don't, we don't pack our chairs here, but you could put out the banners outside or run the coffee shop or, or, or you could even run a community, but still somewhere in the busyness or only fall back into faithfulness. And all of us do, but you can miss God in the, in the meantime. And the final one, and this is interesting, I want to quickly read it as well. Mark 14, verse 19. This is after Jesus sat around the table with his disciples at the Last Supper, and he said, the one who is about to betray me will dip his bread with me. And so this is the moment that Jesus was going to announce who the person was that was going to betray him. He was going to announce that Jesus, Judas was going to betray him. He said, they began to be sorrowful, sorrowful and to say to him, one after another, is it I? Now let me help you here. This means they did not know that Judas lost God. His faithfulness was such that everyone thought that he was a good Christian. But somewhere along the line, his heart was disconnected from what he was doing with his hands. Is that scary, eh? That scares me. <laughs> that scares me. It means I can be up here preaching and I can miss God. 
It means that, uh, that I mean, I, I, you, can, you can stand up here and lead worship and you can miss God. It means that everyone around you can think this person is a Christian, but only God can see into your heart. And we can actually miss God. I found that extremely scary. In the Bible, it says, many will come to God on that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do miracles in your name? Did we not cast out demons? And he will say, go away from you. I never knew you. Just because you look like a Christian does not mean you are a Christian. A Christian is one who loves God. A Christian is one who has faith in God. And out of that, there's an overflow of works. But you can have the works without the faith. But you can't have the faith without the works. You need to examine your hearts. All of us need to examine our hearts and say, and I'm not saying this to be hard on us. I'm, I'm saying like, I, I'm here saying like, I need a fresh touch of God. And I've been crying out all weekend saying, God, I need a fresh touch, Lord. I need, I need to find faith again. I've got faith, but I, I need more faith, Lord. I've too much of my life, I fall back into faithfulness, but I want to reach out for faith again to see you. It's scary. I'm going to just end with this, and then we're going to actually want to get the worship team up again, and I, I want us to minister to one another and, and cry out to God. Let me read to you Jeremiah 29, verse 13. There's actually other scriptures, but I'm not going to read this to you. It says, here's the promise of God. Apologies for the girls at the back. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God is faithful and he is gracious. And I want to loop it back to where I started at the beginning. I was not seeking God, but the kindness and the mercy and the grace of God says, come on, I just, I just need you to seek me and I will make myself found by you. If you are sitting here tonight and you realize that you're serving God because it's the right thing to do. Like some in your heart, you know that you do love God. I just want to qualify. Like you do love God. You do serve him. You did give your life to him. There is a measure of faith, but you know that somewhere, somewhere you've just fallen into a place of just doing the right thing, just being faithful. But you want to just tonight actually cry out to him and say, God, please, I, I need faith because I want to please you. Seek you. I'm not saying you need to give your life to him again. You didn't lose your salvation. You just lost. You just lost your faith. All of us will go through that at some point. So can I ask you, if that's you, that you would stand, wherever you are.